Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. We are gathered in my name. I'm there in their midst. Now, I, I don't think when Matthew recorded that, that he had this situation in mind. Sort of a virtual gathering, you know, where, where people gather in little groups all over the place and virtually connect. But I, I, I know Jesus knew about it. <laughs> because Jesus is God. He knows everything. He's all-knowing. So he knew when he said that where two or three gather in my name, I'm there in the midst that, that it would include virtual gatherings in 2020 and 2021. Um, I want to uh, just share a bit also out of um, beautiful scripture that, that Mezen shared from Exodus 33. And I also just want to share a little bit out of Exodus uh, this morning. You know, we don't want to suffer. But if we do suffer, we at least want it to mean something, right? Isn't that so? Um, you know, if I, I've heard so many stories of, of you know, tragic stories of um, children dying, say, in a car crash or something. Uh, I remember hearing the story about a, a, a young girl who was driving with her mom and a guy, it was, I think it was in America, and, and, and a Another person was driving from the opposite direction, but he was busy texting while he was driving, so he wasn't paying attention. And he, and he went across a red traffic light, drove into them in, in the passenger side, and the little girl passed away. She died very tragically. I think she was still a young teenager or something. And, and obviously the family were, were, they were extremely devastated and heartbroken. It's a massive tragedy, massive suffering for them, massive hardship for them. But then they... they they started a, a campaign in the name of this little girl to, to make people aware that they should not text while they're driving and, and actually started a fund and, um, you know, for, uh, I can't remember what, what they did, but there was a whole campaign for which this young girl who passed away became sort of the, 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 the face. A very successful campaign that, that ended up really making people aware that they shouldn't text while they're driving. Okay. <laughs> Some of you, the conviction is already striking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's already talking to you. But it was just amazing to me to see how much, even though it didn't take away the pain of the parents, they, they could at least say a death meant something. It, something good has come out of it. Um, and, and we all want that. We, we, we don't want pain. We don't want suffering. But if we do suffer, we at least want it to mean something. We don't want to go through difficult times. We prefer for everything to go well all the time, right? We're not, we're not um, masochistic, you know, that we enjoy pain and discomfort and so on. So, so we, we, we don't want to go through difficult times. But if we do have to go through difficult times, we at least want it to mean something. And... 2020 was a rough year, let's face it, okay? It was, it was a, um, a really disruptive and disrupted year. And, I mean, it's, it's beginning of, of last year, even the end of the previous year, we started hearing these rumors of some other virus coming out of Wuhan in China, you know, a place we'd never heard of. And then in, by March, the whole world was in lockdown. More than 200 countries in lockdown. Travel bans, Martial law, uh, you know, state of emergency, uh, no one may travel, businesses closed, schools closed. All of a sudden, um, you know, we, 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 
We, we had to start doing social distancing, wearing masks, washing our hands like never before, and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And we, we couldn't leave our homes. We couldn't go and jog. We couldn't walk the dogs. Uh, I always say it's, it's so funny to me, you know, even people who'd never walked their dogs before, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> they wanted to walk their dogs. These dogs are used to just lying, lying there on the back stoop. They've never been walked in their lives, but, you know, they, <laughs> all of a sudden people want to walk their dogs. Um, but it, it, was, it was a crazy time, and many, many, of, many of us had to close our businesses. Many of us had to all of a sudden be not only work from home, but now be teacher as well and teach our kids and supervise them. And, and it was just a, a crazy year. And I think for a lot of people, it also started that, that lockdown and, and the forced, you know, on the one hand, isolation, but also forced in family format to be together, started exposing all kinds of problems, all kinds of problems that were already there, but that were hidden. So all kinds of just psychological problems, all kinds of relational problems, all kinds of anxieties and stuff that, that were under the surface, but that under normal circumstances we could hide. All of a sudden, these difficult circumstances started exposing them. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was a difficult year, so how do we deal with that year? The problem is, if we go through difficulty, if we go through trauma, if we go through suffering, if we go through tough times and hardship, there's a danger that we can get stuck there unless we process it, unless we deal with it. So how do we deal with 2020? And I just want to take a, a few examples from the Bible. Firstly, just the one I want to mention, as, as a, just by way of introduction, is Joseph. Joseph went through seriously difficult times. I mean, he was the youngest son at that stage um, before his brother Benjamin was born of his father Jacob. Jacob eventually had 12 sons, of whom Joseph was his favorite. He, he Unfortunately, he isn't, the problem wasn't that he loved Joseph too much, but obviously he loved his other sons too little. So he loved Joseph more than he loved his other sons, and, and he... He, he, he gave him preferential treatment. He, he treated him better. He gave him a, the Technicolor dream coat. And, and then Joseph had all these dreams and stuff about his brothers and ultimately his father and mother bowing down to him. You know? and, and you know, his brothers obviously thought, you know, this cocky little younger brother, you know, who thinks he's better than us and he gets treated as though he's better than us. So there was obviously a lot of resentment there already. And uh, when he went to follow up and check up on them um, in the field where they were looking after the, the flocks and the herds, um, they said, here comes the dreamer, let's, let's kill him. And, and they, they captured him, tore off his robe and threw him into a pit. And then a bunch of, of Ishmaelite sla- slave traders came by and they decided, okay, let's not kill him, let's sell him as a slave. But I mean, that's, that's, I mean as a young, he was probably a young teenager at that stage. That's heavy, you know, the, your own brothers selling you into slavery selling you as a slave to who knows where. I mean, it's, uh, I can just imagine how he must have pleaded and, and his pleas just fell on deaf ears. They just ignored him and just sold him for, uh, for money and, and told his dad that he was dead. And then he, gets, he, he works as a slave in, in, in Potiphar's house, one of the main officials in, in Egypt, and God is with him, so he prospers. He does well. So not only was his father's favorite, he became Potiphar's favorite because God was with him. But then Potiphar's wife sort of took a liking him and eventually falsely accused him of trying to rape her. And he gets thrown into prison, unfairly. So not only was he sold as a slave by his own family, he now gets unfairly, unjustly thrown into prison and he languishes in prison, but God is with him. 
And once again, he becomes the, the prison warden's favorite, and he, and he starts running the whole prison, ultimately. And uh, he doesn't know what's coming. We obviously know what's coming, so he's like, we don't quite feel for him as much, but he, but he doesn't know what's coming. He's in the midst of the suffering, and he doesn't know what's coming. And when you're in the midst of the suffering, it's hard sometimes to see the meaning of the suffering. When you're in the midst of the hard times, it's hard sometimes to see the meaning of the hard times. We can look back on it and we can, on, on Joseph's hard times, and we can see why he had to go through all of that, and that all of that was perfect preparation for what would ultimately come. But while he was in it, he couldn't see it. And while we're in it, we can't see it either. And so he, he interprets a, a dream for a baker and a, and a cupbearer that were with him. And the dreams come true, the prophetic dreams. Uh, and he tells the cupbearer, remember me when, when, you're, when you're restored. And, and, and Pharaoh once again makes you his cupbearer. But the guy forgets about him for two years. And for two more years, he languishes in prison. Ultimately, Pharaoh has his dreams about the... The, the fat cows, the seven fat cows and the seven thin cows and the uh, seven fat stalks and the seven thin stalks representing seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine and, and scarcity. And then the cupbearer remembers and he tells Pharaoh about him and says, there was this guy who interpreted one of my dreams and it happened exactly like he said. And Pharaoh said, bring him to me. And he interprets the dream and God gives him the wisdom not only to interpret the dream but to tell Pharaoh what to do in response to the dream, the meaning of the dream. And Pharaoh makes him second in command of, in all of Egypt. And then his brothers come because there's now famine and they get um, grain from him and he recognizes them. And through a whole lot of scheming and so on, ultimately his, his whole family comes. Jo- uh, Jacob, all the other brothers, all the other siblings there their um, wives, children, 70 plus of them come into Egypt. And Israel as a, well, the kernel of a nation end up in Egypt. And Joseph, you can see, has found the meaning of the hardship he went through. Because when Jacob dies, his brothers are afraid that he'll now take revenge because he's now second in command in Egypt. He has the power to take revenge and they know that what they did to him was terrible, was sinful. And they expect him to take revenge. And he says to them the following. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about the saving of many lives. So you can see he looked back on his suffering and he reinterpreted it and saw what God was doing through it and what the meaning of it was. And therefore, he was no longer bitter, but he was better. And our suffering, our hardship can either make us bitter or it can make us better. But we need to reinterpret what we've gone through to find the meaning in it, to get the value out of it, to make sure that we become better, not bitter. Um, so I just want to share a little bit about that. So ultimately, long story short, 400 years, you know, the, the, the next pharaoh forgets about Joseph and he, start, he makes Israel, uh, Jacob's descendants, slaves. And they multiply, they grow, so God's favor is still upon them. But for 400 years, they're slaves in Egypt. And ultimately, Moses comes, God says to Moses in the burning bush that he must lead, uh, lead them out. But the book of Exodus is written after the fact. It's written after they've already come out of Egypt. And Egypt and the slavery of Egypt, the hardship and the suffering of the Israelites in Egypt is a picture a type of us for our suffering and our hardship. And coming out of Egypt is a, is a picture and a type of how, how 
we also must come out of our times of suffering and, and hardship and how we must reinterpret it and deal with it. So um, we need to reinterpret. One of the things that if we want to become better instead of bitter as we go through difficult times, we need to reinterpret what we've been through in light of the gospel. And the gospel tells us, one, one of the things that, that the gospel tells us, if you just look at the cross, which is the crux, the, sort of the heart of the gospel, the beating heart of the gospel, it's a tragedy. It's hardship. It's suffering. While Jesus was going through it, while the disciples were seeing it happen, it looked senseless, pointless, irredeemable. And yet, afterwards, they also reinterpreted and understood that through that suffering, through that hardship, through that difficulty, through what seemed completely senseless, God was bringing about his greatest glory and our greatest good. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel is the grace of God that produces his greatest glory and our greatest good. And the cross tells us, the gospel tells us, that when we look at suffering, even the, the most senseless-seeming suffering, the, because of the gospel, there's meaning in it. Because of the gospel, God can use it to produce his greatest glory and our greatest good. And ultimately, through that realization, he can make us better instead of bitter. So, um, God in the burning bush, um, I'm going to read from, from um, Exodus 12 in a moment, but in the burning bush passage uh, in, in Exodus 3, verse 21 and 22, God says the following, he makes the, the following promise. And, and in many senses, it's a gospel promise. He says, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the, uh, this people, the, pe the people of Israel, so that they will leave you, sorry, that, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and of, for, for clothing, uh, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. So you will plunder the Egyptians. God says to Israel, who has gone through hundreds of years of suffering and hardship and slavery, you will plunder Egypt. And, and, and to me, that, it, it's a promise. It's a promise that you will plunder Egypt. And, and I believe it's a gospel promise that God gives to us as well because God makes Egypt prototypical of his salvation. Now, it's a picture of how he always works his salvation. So we also will plunder our Egypt. Okay? So we must think, how can I plunder my Egypt? How can I plunder 2020? <laughs> how can I get the good out of it? How can I get that which is valuable from it? Um, and, and notice he says, you will not go empty-handed. I think that's a great promise. When you go through hardship, when you go through suffering, when you go through difficult times... The God of the gospel, who is a God of salvation, promises you that you will not go empty-handed. Okay, if there's someone sitting next to you, tell them you will not go empty-handed. <laughs> or tell it to yourself if you're alone. You will not go empty-handed. But, he says, in order to not go empty-handed, you must ask. The not going empty-handed is not automatic. Okay? If you do not ask, you will go empty-handed. But if you do ask, you will not go empty-handed. 
Okay, so let's, let's just quickly read a, a little portion um, from Exodus 12. I'm going to read from verse 21 to, to 38. It's, it's a longish portion, but it's a nice story that we all know well. So just, just listen to it and just um, receive it. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animal for your uh, families and slaughter the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb, that's very important. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the, into the blood in the basin and make some of the blood, uh, uh, sorry, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will, uh, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over, that's where the, the name Passover, he will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. In other words, take it with you. The Passover is not just for when you do the exodus, when you come out of Egypt. It's for after that as well. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. Yearly, annually you must observe it. And when your children ask you, why, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in, uh, Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. He spared our homes. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt. For there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said or as you requested and go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took the dough before uh, the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for the articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians, just as the Lord promised in the burning bush. The Israelites joined uh, journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, there were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and so, and also large droves of livestock, uh, both flocks and herds. So, so many other people, so people from other nationalities, people from other ethnic groups, other races um, that were also slaves with them in Egypt also went up with them out of Egypt. So just four things I want you to, to notice here. Um, the gospel, when we put on a gospel lens and when we reinterpret what we've been through, even the hardship, the difficulty that we've been through, um, through the lenses of the gospel, 
we see that there are things that we can take with us out of our suffering, out of our difficult times. Things that we can take with us, in other words, in our case, that we can take with us out of 2020 and that we should take with us out of 2020. So I'm just going to mention four things. There are obviously more things, but uh, I mean, Mezen this morning mentioned the presence of God that always goes with us. So even as the presence of God was with us during 2020, so the presence of God is with us in 2021. So I'm not even mentioning that, but that I take that uh, for granted. The first thing that we need to take with us is the Passover. So he doesn't only say celebrate the Passover by slaughtering the Passover lamb. And how they slaughtered it was, was in, the, in, in the doorway there, you know, they had a little basin there so that the water, sort of a little trough at, at the doorway that you actually had to step over when you went in. So that any, when it rains and stuff, the water doesn't go directly into the, to the house, but they, that it sort of stays in the trough. So, so that basin, that they slaughtered the Passover lamb and, and the, the blood of the Passover lamb was run into the basin. Then they dipped the, the, the hyssop into it and painted it on the top and sides. And you can imagine, if I now had a basin of blood here, and I painted it on the top of a door frame and the sides, and it, in a sense, forms a cross. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. So even there, that, the picture was there, you know, that prophetic picture pointing forward to what the Lord was uh, going to do. But he, but he says, don't only celebrate the Passover, but take it with you. As you leave Egypt, celebrate it annually. Take it into the promised land that the Lord is giving to you. Take it into your new situation. Now, I, just, I must say here, just... They went from Egypt, being slaves into Egypt, to being free in the wilderness. So, being free in the wilderness, as we, as, as we see later in Exodus and, and, and the rest of the, the Torah, is, is, is not that easy. So, we shouldn't necessarily expect 2021 to be all that much easier than 2020, but it's better. <laughs> And there, there's always something that we can take with us, something of, of value. So the one thing is the Passover. And what is the Passover? The Passover is the story. It's a testimony of what God has done. So the first thing we must do is we must see what God has done. We must look at our situation, look back at 2020, and, and not only see 2020, but see what God has done in 2020. How has he worked? How has he saved us? How has he at great cost to himself? Because we know what the Passover lamb points towards. How has God, at great cost to himself, worked salvation in our lives? And how is our suffering that we go through and how God saves us from it a picture of the ultimate suffering, the ultimate slavery that we're in, the slavery to sin, and how God saves us from that? And how can we celebrate that? Now, how can we take testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness to his gospel promises, his faithfulness to save at great expense to himself with us out of 2020 into 2021 because those stories tell us and remind us that God is faithful. He has been faithful and will continue to be faithful to save. He is a God who saves. He's the God of the Passover. He's the God who saves at great expense to himself. That is who he is. And those are the stories that we have to tell. And we have to celebrate it. And we have to regularly tell these stories. It's not just something that happened. It's something that we have to celebrate annually, regularly. Remind ourselves and uh, other people of it. So we must take the Passover with us. But we must also take purity with us. Um, Those Israelites, I mean, there weren't McDonald's along the way, you know, in the wilderness. You know, or fast food places. So... um, 
they actually take the first fast food with them, you know. <laughs> they had to make the food very fast, you know. These un- unleavened bread of, of theirs. That was, that was the first fast food in the history of mankind. I think that's where it comes from. So they take this fast food with them. But God, once again, just like he makes the whole exodus and the Passover a picture, a symbol, a type of his salvation and how he works, he makes the unleavened bread, this f- fast food of theirs, a picture of how he works. He says... Another thing that you must bring with you out of Egypt is purity, because leaven represents sin throughout the Bible. And when we're in times of difficulty, it actually, it's, it's like being in a furnace. It's like being in a fire. God, uh, later on in the, in the Old and New Testament, he, repre- he, he, he represents difficulty and suffering and hardship like a refiner's fire and, and us as silver, and the silver being refined, being melted down, and then all the dross floating up to the top so that you can see it. And, and that's exactly what happens in suffering, in hardship. And that's what exa- exactly what happened to, I want to be so bold as to say, probably all of us last year, is we were in the furnace, we were in the fire, God melted us down, the dross the leaven was exposed and God wants us to remove it. Part of this, the festival of unleavened bread, the, 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 the feast of unleavened bread was making sure that there's no leaven in your house because it gets exposed. And, and so often we, 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 I just want to say very quickly, it's such a beautiful, the leaven is such a beautiful picture of what sin is. Sin is like leaven because what does leaven do? It, it causes the bread to become puffed up. What does sin do? It causes us to become puffed up and arrogant and self-centered, right? So it makes us puffy and, 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 and prideful, okay? But, but also leaven spreads. It doesn't just stay in one place. You take a, a little lump of leaven, put it into a, a big piece of dough, and it spreads throughout the whole dough. So sin also spreads. And, 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 and maybe some of you, young men and young ladies, maybe you, know, you were in lockdown, you were on the internet a lot, and... You got hooked on porn. And you thought, ah, it's just one area of my life. I just do it now and then. I can hide it. I've got it under control. I can cover it up. No one needs to know about it. It doesn't have to affect the rest of my life. But then all of a sudden, you started experiencing the leaven effect of sin and how it starts spreading through your life. And you realize this is much more dangerous than I thought. This leaven, the sin, spreads. And it's been exposed, but God wants to deal with it. And he wants us to go throughout of um, our Egypt with unleavened bread, consuming his word in purity, consuming um, with the leaven removed. And we need to, we need to in order to, to re- remove the leaven, we, we, need to, we need to put in effort. We need to be... Um, we, we need to be, there needs to be an urgency to do it, and, and there needs to be a carefulness in doing it, like it there was for the, for the Israelites. There's a lot more I can say about that, but I, I think you get the picture. We must take the Passover with us. We must take purity with us. The third thing is we must take plunder with us. So they plundered the Egyptians. And what did they plunder them of specifically? As God promised, gold, silver, and clothing. All things that are very valuable. I mean, to us, clothing is not that valuable because you can go to, you know, um, Mr. Price or Pep Stores or some other, you know, discount store and buy clothing at relatively cheap because it gets mass produced. Because, you know, some other sweatshop somewhere in the east, you know, produces it at, at next to nothing. <laughs> but in those days, clothes were very expensive. And 
Um, gold and silver were very valuable. So in other words, what he's saying is there's something valuable that you can take with you out of Egypt. Your time of suffering, your time of hardship, your time of slavery, your time of difficulty. There's, there's value. There's something valuable there that you need to take out with you. So no, you, we need to look, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking us now, not only what has God done in 2020 that you can testify of, not only what has God exposed, the leaven and the sin that God has exposed that you need to deal with, but what is the value that God has placed there that you need to take with you? There's a, a quote from, from uh, St. Augustine. If you can just quickly go to that, that quote by St. Augustine. Um, so Augustine reasoned that Christians may use the Egyptian gold of secular thought or lessons learned or wisdom because all truth is God's truth. All, everything that is truly true comes from God is God's truth. So what are the, not only the, the physical valuable stuff but what are the lessons that you learned in 2020 that you can take with you into the new year and and i I think many of you need to write those down write down what is the passover the the testimony that you can take with you what is the purity you know what has been exposed and the the stuff that you need to deal with the, the stuff that you need to unleaven what is the what is the plunder that you can take with you out of out of egypt and 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 i like the word i like the word plunder Because it's a military term. And strangely enough, Israel came out as a bunch of slaves who had a military of Egypt against them. And they were weaponless and seemingly harmless and defenseless. And yet, when they came out, they came out as victors with plunder because God was fighting on their behalf. And God will do the same for us. God will do the same for you. But he says, you must go and ask for the plunder. You must ask for it. You must, in other words, there must be an intentional seeking for it and asking for it and desiring it and saying, I want it. What is the plunder? Go and intentionally reflect on last year and say, what is the plunder? The, that, the, 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 the things physically and materially and uh, immaterially of value that I can take with me out of 2020 into 2021. What is the plunder that God is giving me? Write it down. Pray about it and, make, and ask for it and take it with you into the new year. And then the, the, the final thing, so Passover, purity, plunder, and the final thing is people. A whole host of, of um, other slaves from other nations came with them they also suffered, and, and, and in 2020, we didn't suffer alone. A lot of people suffered with us, and even people who don't know God suffered with us. And they saw us suffer, but they also saw God save us and God be faithful in our lives. And they often will say, if they see us suffer, they see our suffering and they see our salvation, they'll say, I want in. And then we can take with us not only plunder, but people who can go with us into eternity uh, out of Egypt and, 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 and worship God. And I just want to call um, Stefan and Daniela forward. They're just going to give a quick testimony of how God has laid um, that on their heart and people on their heart. Thank you, thank you Annie. Um, yeah, so last year, after a couple of really significant events and meaningful conversations, Daniela and I had, well, we were encouraged first and also convicted to really intentionally pursue people and to introduce them to God if they had not known God by then, um, and to start making disciples. Um, I think the big thing here for us is 
um, this was a conviction and not a, a new revelation because we read about this all throughout the Bible and we've been taught this all throughout church as well and that's been really important to us. So what this looked like to us is we, we realized that we purposefully have to go out and have an outward focus and well, just look at the people around us and draw them in and speak to them and also just ask them to well, introduce them to God mainly. And how we did this was first we prayed to God and um, he placed a couple of names on our hearts to pursue. And the first one of this, well, the first one of this was um, a lady in our complex named Tess. And Daniela will tell you about her. <laughs> cool. So the significance of Tess is actually how we came to meet her in the first place. So during lockdown, Stefan and I, every day we would walk down our street just to get some fresh air. And Tess was one of the strangers that we regularly walked past. Until Stefan one day boldly, you know, you know, talk across the barrier between us and went across the road to introduce us to her. And after God had put those names on our hearts and, and Tess was one of them, the next time we walked past her in the street, we stopped her and we invited her for dinner. And she was so excited that we'd invited her for dinner. I actually, I was shocked that she was so, so excited. And, and later in the week when she came for dinner, she actually told us that we couldn't have invited her at a more appropriate and fitting time. And it just confirmed in mine and Steph's hearts that God had really highlighted her and placed on our hearts for a reason. So that night, we had a lot of significant conversations, a lot of them around the Holy Spirit and hearing God's voice. And by the end of the night, we we actually felt like we'd been friends for years. And the three of us agreed that, you know, maybe there's, you know, there's the reason that God established this this friendship is more than just for the fun of it. Um, Tess actually said at the end of the night, maybe God placed us in her life so that she can grow closer to him and, and learn how to hear his voice. And in my heart, I'm really trusting and praying that these dinners of three that we've started will turn into dinners of four or five or six as God stirs all of our hearts with a fire for making disciples who make disciples. So I don't know how it will pan out, but what I do know is that our loving people and discipleship can be as easy as crossing the road or knocking on the door of a neighbor. And, and that if we ask God to give us a heart for people, he'll, he'll do it. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Daniela. Wow, wonderful testimony. And it's that easy. It's just walking across the road. It's sometimes just as easy as saying, hi, won't you join us for, for dinner or for lunch or something? Um, I had a a whole separate point, but I just want to actually summarize it and, and finish up with this. So when we look through the gospel, we see how God, through his grace, makes even difficult times and suffering work together for our greatest good um, through those four things that we can take with us, Passover, purity, plunder, and people. But he makes those same four things also work together for his greatest glory because if you look at it, that the purpose of all of those things ultimately is to worship God. The Passover is the testimony, the, the celebration, the worshipful celebration of the, the regular celebration and, and re, um, remembering of God's faithfulness, of his salvation, worshiping him for his faithfulness, for his salvation and what he has done <clears throat> and for what he can do and will do. Um, the, the purity is... is God saving us in such a way and removing the sin from our lives 
progressively in such a way that our lives become worship to him. Lives of obedience and the beauty of holiness that worship God and that, 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 um, that is so counter-cultural and counter, um, just different from the world and brings glory to God. The, the plunder that we receive, the, the Israelites eventually used that gold and silver, that plunder, to build a tabernacle. So even the purpose of the plunder is to build the church of God, to build his kingdom, to build his church. How can you use, the, how can you take value out of 2020 and bring with you into 2021 so you can use it to build the church of God, build him a tabernacle, a place for his dwelling, for his presence. And finally, the people are those who ultimately become worshipers with us so that God receives even more worship. Isn't that beautiful? And um, so I want to encourage you. There's value in 2020. You can look back at 2020 through a gospel lens, reinterpret it, and you can see not only the good that you can receive out of 2020, but the glory that you can bring to God out of 2020. And I want to encourage all of us to see that and to not miss that opportunity. Not miss what God can do and what God can give us and what we can take with us out of our Egypt. We need to plunder Egypt. Amen. Are you ready to plunder Egypt? <laughs> I want to encourage you as we, as, we, um, as we end off and as we close the service to, to pray together, maybe just to sit and to meditate on those four things and, 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 and how you see them in your life. Maybe write down a few things and then just pray and say, God, help me to take everything good, everything of value, Everything that, is, that can lead to, to our greatest good and to your greatest glory out of 2020 into 2021. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we just want to thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel shows us, Lord, that, that even out of the most terrible, out of the most tragic of circumstances, you can bring great good. Thank you, Lord, that we can bring testimonies with us of your ultimate faithfulness and salvation. Thank you that we can bring purity with us. Thank you for all, even though it's uncomfortable, for all the, the leaven that you exposed and that, we can, that you're helping us get rid of it. Thank you, Lord, for, for the plunder that you give us, Lord. Thank you for the people that you connect with us with. And thank you for your presence that goes with us into this new year and that we can face this new year with hope, Lord, and with confidence, and know that no matter what happens, good, bad, whatever it is, Lord, you are with us and you bring good and glory out of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.